0: No problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. We're in the book of James, our second study in the book of James, in the first chapter. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, acknowledged by most to be the half-brother of Jesus, has, has written a letter, and he is sending this letter out to other uh believers other christians they would have, these would have been people of the jewish faith who you know in this lifetime have have believed in jesus and but the letter is entitled to the 12 tribes in the dispersion these are people all over the place these are people that would have been in many different regions that were um, dispersed or another word for dispersion means scattered in other words. When the Assyrians invaded, when the, when the Babylonians invaded, when the you know, Greeks invaded, when the Romans invaded, all these, you know, uh, you know it's, the, it's the nation most likely to be invaded here. God has used all these various powers and armies to scatter his people, like he said. Isaiah said it, Jeremiah said it, Hosea said it. And the people's sin was so bad and so deep that he scattered the nation. He crippled the land. And so this is all the believers in this dispersion, all that have been scattered around. And as we said last time, this word dispersion or scatter, it implies the fact that God has been in control of all of this all this time. He didn't, this is not just what happened to Israel because God was not up to the task to protect the nation or God wasn't, you know, he was looking the other way because he was so mad at Israel. No, this is what happened. God spread the nation around just like you're spreading butter on bread. He's spreading them around because of his decisions, his purpose, his sovereignty. So, this is who's, who James is is um, writing to. You know, so right off the bat, James, is, you know, the person reading this letter, hearing this letter, might be, you know, out there going, Wow, a letter from James, bro- half-brother of Jesus Christ, you know, that, maybe that would give me some encouragement, or maybe it won't, but maybe... He, You know, I'm not a half-brother of anybody important, but we're all messed up. We're having to live in this land, and we're under conquest and rule and all this stuff. James is saying, look, the position you're in, you are where you are because God put you there. And that's how you need to, to receive this letter. Receive this letter not because you're in some predicament or facing some kind of trial because you fell in it. No, you got to realize that your life has been dispersed, has been scattered, has been placed, has been you've been put where you are because God wants you to be there. And you're fulfilling God's purpose in the fact that you're where you are. And as we read it today, you're where you are because God has put you there. You know the people that you know because God put them there in their place too. So he says, receive this letter by understanding that God has put you where you are according to his purposes. Okay? So then he says, receive this letter in joy. He says, count it all joy. And when he says greetings up there in verse 1, when you translate greetings, it means rejoice. So you need to receive this letter in wherever you are with the realization that God put you where you are and rejoice about it. Rejoice that you're on God's radar. Rejoice that God has plans for your life. Rejoice that the presence of God is something that God wants in your life. That's something to be happy about. If God didn't love you so much, wanting His presence in your life, in your heart, in your soul, with all the things He wants to give you, if that wasn't true, you would have nothing to be happy about because your life is only temporary, dust in the wind, here today, gone tomorrow, forgotten. But that's not the case. You won't be forgotten. You will be remembered and exalted in heaven. And so he says, count it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. He gets right into it, doesn't he? He talks about the trials that people might be going through. This letter is written for people in trouble. This letter is written for people having a hard time. Are you having a hard time today? This letter was written for you. Are you in a predicament today? This letter was written for you. Do you feel like, you know, the waters of life are rising and your little boat might be starting to sink? This letter is written for you. He says, receive this letter knowing that God has put people where He wants them. Receive this letter in with the spirit to rejoice in joy. He says, then he says even more specifically, verse two, count it all joy, not a little bit of joy, all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials, what kind of trials, all kind of trials, have all joy. When you meet trials of various kinds, what kind of trials? It doesn't matter. It's the kind of trials of life bills to pay sickness, People not liking you, accusing you of things. Relationship trials. Who knows what kind of trials? He says all kind of trials, various trials. For you know, this is something you can hang your head on. You absolutely know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And another word for that is patience. Let the patience, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what trials do. Trials are designed with a purpose for us. Trials don't happen just because they're going to happen. The refreshing part about this is, is when you read these verses, you realize that God put you where you want you to be, And God needs you to be perfect and complete in his love. And to do that, to get you ready for his kingdom, to get you ready for his presence, you've got to be made more perfect and more complete, lacking in nothing. And God wants to give you that. And God gives you these trials, the trials in your life. Are things He gives you. Is there somebody you don't get along with or can't stand? Well, God put them there in their life for a purpose. And maybe it's the fact that they need to be around you. And you need to show them the right ways to act. Or maybe you need to show them God's love and God's presence. Maybe that person was put there for you to interact with specifically. And maybe you can't stand them and God put them there with their personality so you can learn humility or you can learn what pride is. Maybe pride is is rubbing you the wrong way. But God puts people exactly where he wants them so that they can have different kind of trials and maybe it's the trials of little personality differences it's various kinds of trials but everything in your life that seems hard can be viewed as a trial it's a various kind of a trial god puts everything in your pathway so that you can test can be tested in faith and when that happens, it's your faith that pulls you through. And you need to approach every one of these little trials with faith. If you don't approach one of these little trials with faith, then you're just treading water. You're not. You're not learning anything. You're not being made more complete. Then he says. As if to answer his own rhetorical situation. If any of you la- lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Now, then we just got through saying, well, we're facing trials. We're facing little things in life, big things in life. We're facing maybe people we don't even like. How do you face these trials? Well, it says the testing of your faith. Well, what, is, what does that mean? Well, how do, how do I act? What do I do in this trial? you ask god you ask god in faith if you don't know what to do how to act you've got to act in faith number 1 if you don't have faith going into any of these trials you're not going to you're not going to be made more perfect or more complete you've got to use your faith paul was saying we, we read from the writings of Paul that faith is the root of salvation. It's like a plant. You put the plant in the ground. The roots grow strong. Well, that's your faith. The faith, the roots hold the plant up. They take in nutrients and water. That's like the Word of God. Your faith takes in things to feed the plant, to hold the plant up, whether it's winter time, whether it's rainy time, Whether it's cold in the snow, that plant depends on those deep roots to hold the plant in the ground. Or if the animals come brush by, it's the roots that saves the plant. If the leaves fall off and the plant looks more like a stick, it's the roots that establish the plant through thick and thin, whatever weather, that those leaves are going to come back because those roots are still alive and still able to feed the plant secure the plant that's your faith it's the root of your salvation but what happens on the top of the plant the top of the plant needs you to do things the top of the plant is the fruit the leaves what people see and as james is saying that our works are the fruit of our salvation it's what we do with our faith that produces fruit. And when we face trials, these trials are testing our faith so that we can know what we can know what to do and how to act. And so it's our works. It's what we do, it's how we act in our faith. That gets us through the trials that makes us more perfect and more complete. It's not just sitting in a room with faith when pr- trouble is coming. You got to do something about it. You can't just sit there and pray and pray and pray and never do anything. That's just nothing. That would be just like a silly, uh, it would be like a silly plant that would have roots but the roots yielded nothing what value is the plant to the person who plants it if the plant doesn't yield any fruit to eat is the plant worth it how do you act verse 5 if any of you lack wisdom let him ask God ask God in faith that's the beginning of wisdom is faith in God to ask God what to do If you're going through the day-to-day, you you probably have trouble that you have to deal with today or tasks that you have to deal with today. Do you know what you're going to do? Well, start off by asking God what to do. Ask Him what to do on every little situation. Because you can test your faith. And if you go through any little thing with faith that leads patience or steadfastness. And if you go through these little trials or big trials with patience in your faith, that has a full effect on you that perfects you for that trial, that lets you overcome that trial. And if you're doing it in faith, you don't need anything else to get through that trial. But ask God Always ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach? Now, gives generously doesn't mean, hey, God can have a million dollars. That's not what he's giving you. He's giving you wisdom, and he's giving you wisdom to handle this situation. You've got to handle the situation in faith, and then the faith will produce patience, and the patience will produce works, fruit of your salvation. And God promises right here to give generously to all without reproach. He's not going to judge you when you're asking for something. He's going to give you what you need. Now, you may say, well, that's not anything. This guy's driving me crazy. I can't get along with this lady or this boss or this school or whatever it is. Or every time. I talk to this person, I get angry, I lose my temper, or they make me, they push my buttons. God says He'll give you generously, give to you generously on what to do, how to act. And it all starts with love, doesn't it? Love conquers all. Love never fails. If God answers you and what to do with love, you can be sure that Representing the love of God to somebody else has never not been the right thing to do. Hearing the word of God has never been not the right thing to do. God's word is living and active, sharper than a two edged sword. And God, and it says uh, in Bible that God's word will not return void. In other words, God. God's Word is made for the listener. Wherever you are, when you hear the Word of God, the Word of God was made so that when you hear it, you know if you belong to the Lord. And it was made to have an effect on you, to perfect you, to complete you, lacking in nothing. It will be given without reproach but let him but let him ask in faith and with no doubting so again ask in faith everything centers around your faith for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, he is double-minded he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. you know it's like he's double-minded, he's looking in the mirror, and he for he he says, "Well, okay, this is what I'm going to do," and he goes out and under trials or the 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 all the different trials in life, he changes his mind all the time. One minute he's trusting God the next minute he's trusting in himself. the next minute he's trusting other people. the next minute he's trusting something he saw on the internet or the next time he he just he just abdicates all feeling and doesn't do anything he doesn't he doesn't walk by his faith. he doesn't have patience in his faith. he's not being completed and perfected in his faith and he feels like God's not doing enough for him. He's questioning this promise of God. The promise of God that says, You will lack nothing. This guy is unstable. As opposed to steadfast, those who are um, patient. The steadfastness of a trial is produced in our lives. As opposed to the instability of someone who's not acting in faith, not asking in faith, and I see this a lot you know when people are talking to you know me about or people are talking about their medical problems or their health problems, if they have God in their life, they're steadfast, and they have something to hold on to if they don't have God in their life they're Faith is in the pill or the medical treatment plan. What a terrible thing to put your faith in is your own health or the x-ray report or the MRI report. Oh, is there going to be cancer? Is it getting better? Is it not getting better? Oh, our joy is just totally hinged on the MRI or the CAT scan, you know? and that is an unstable emotional plan to have your joy geared to the reports verse 9 now we're we're sort of a practical application of this advice let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass or like a flower of the field he will pass away for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass its flowers falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits what is he saying here Well, we've been talking about people who have been dispersed. We've been talking about people who are undergoing various trials. We've been talking about people who may not even know how to act or what to do, what to think or speak or say or do. People who may perceive that they're lacking wisdom. And now he's saying a practical example of this for your finances. Maybe there's some people who are not doing as well off as the other person. He's saying, here, let the poor brother, let the lowly brother feel exalted. If you've got to boast on something, boast in your low position. What does that mean? Well, he's not saying boast in a bad way. He's saying speak out. Act. We're talking about how to act in wisdom, right? Show your wisdom. If the brothers, poorly or lowly, boast in your wisdom as you share your faith. As you show that God's given you wisdom, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You're boasting here that this low position means... You have the opportunity even more than anyone else for God to lift you up and exalt you. This is a the humble position. This is Christ-like positioning here in society. You're not there by random chance. God has scattered people where he wants them, just like he scattered the nation Israel. You're not random chance where you are. You're there because God wanted you there. That doesn't mean just sit in your room and pray about it. James is calling people for good works, which is the fruit of your salvation. So embrace that lowly position that you have so that you can do good works in that lowly position. So that you can test your faith and you can have patience in that lowly position. You can be made perfect and complete in that lowly position. And you can boast, actually, as you speak out, as you do good works in that position. Because God has put you in a place that He can exalt you from that position. Just like He exalted Christ from His humility. To his heavenly position. That is exactly where you are. Or you may be lowly in some other way. Maybe people at work bypass you. It's a case study in humility, isn't it? You've got to let other people pass you by. Or, goodness knows, whatever relationships you're in, sometimes people reject you or you're not the popular person. Let your lowly position be something that you can boast about. Well, not just boasting like, oh, yeah, nobody likes me. That's not what you're saying. But if you speak out in good works, that is boasting of your faith in the Lord. That is putting your faith in the front window for people to see the actions of your faith. That's what you want to do. You want to let your faith be so good that you can see that God has given you everything he needs in his work, in his love, and in the promise of exalting you from whatever trial you are undergoing. First hand in the rich in his humiliation. The rich also can boast or can speak out in faith in good works. They can do good works in the position that they're in because God's setting them up to come down. The position they're in is a position of demotation. God's going to demote you because he's you've got things, but you're going to have to experience losing them because no one can take all their possessions with them in death. You're going to experience losing your fame, your fortune, your home. Isn't it, it just sad when we see you know some of these websites that says, look at this famous star, but look at the way they live now. And I always find that some of the most popular stars... After a while, their fame fades, and you see the the appearances they make get smaller and smaller and smaller. And in the end, when they're really old, they're, they've lost all the things that they've had. So one person in the lowly position, they're in a humble, they're in the humility of Christ. And then the rich person, he can, he can talk in his faith that he is set for humiliation in the, from the worldly perspective in that his riches are there to be lost. So we'll stop here as we're in this book of James, helping us know how to think, say, and do our way through these various trials of life. If you're in trouble, if you have trials, this book of James so far is written for you. So we'll stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Batali, I hope you're having a great study just like I am over here. And um, this is I'm just learning so much from the book of James. So... From me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ, and we'll see you next time.
1: Hello. So today's teaching is coming from James chapter 1, beginning at verse 3 all the way to verse 11. So um, the book of James is a very practical book, and application can actually be made to our lives today. And, um, you know, Dr. J.B. McGee pointed out, you know, um, the book of James is similar to the book of proverbs because, um, you know, it teaches us, you know, the practical daily walk, um, in our lives, you know, there's a lot of, um, teachings and, and, um, and yeah, um, and, uh, proverbs that can actually relate to our lives. So it's, it's more practical. So in chapters one to three in the book of James will give, um, you know, James gives, um, you know, a verification of genuine faith, so what genuine faith is. So, so God tests faith first by trials, and this is where we are in the first 12 verses. So God is testing our faith by trial. So if we go through trials uh, in life, then God is, um, you know, as a child of God, then God is actually, ta- God is actually testing, uh, faith. Um, and God does not test, uh, faith with evil. So, you know, if, if, if something is evil, that's happening it's it's not coming from God. Um, you know, like say for example, you get temptation. A lot of people say, Oh, Hey, I'm being tempted by God. No, um, that's not it. So God tests faith by word and not by man's words. God tests faith by attitude and action in, um, respect, um, in, in respect of different persons. So, um, you know, like, you know my journey is not um your journey it's not another person's journey so um god tests um faith by you know with respect to each person's um each person's uh journey yes so god tests faith by good works and god tests faith by the tongue you know what we say what we hear what we speak okay rather what we say so we are in this section where god tests faith by trials troubles suffering and testing so faith produces something but god doesn't permit us to have trials unless trials produce something in our lives so there's a purpose for god's testing us he just doesn't test us like oh boom I'm, i'm testing you you know um Like, if I go back to the book of Hosea, you know, you can't liken the situation of the northern kingdom um, of Ephraim. You know what they were going through? That condition they were in, they put themselves in. So you can't say no because, you know, they chose to abandon God and worship idols. Um, So, you know, faith is is meant to actually uh, produce something, um, but God permits us to have these trials in order for us to learn. You know, unless the trial produces something in our lives, then um, you know, if it doesn't produce something in our lives, then it's not a test from God. So when we walk by faith and trouble comes to us, it doesn't mean we, you know, have to understand each and every trial that comes to us because there's certain things that you know our brethren, Christian brethren go through, you know, they're suffering on their sick, dying beds, you know, all their lives and all. And you know, there's a reason for that. And you know, not all the time are we going to understand. There's so many things that we don't understand that God does, but he does them because he's God and he knows he has a purpose, a reason for doing that. So um, it means that, you know, um, that it's the true um, and positive. It's the truth positive of faith. You know, um, it, it doesn't mean we have to understand every situation. Um, so it's the truth positive of uh, genuine faith. So now um, verse three of James chapter one reads, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience so here we can know that it's you know working something good in our lives you know that test is working something good in our lives if it produces something and here in this case if it produces patience so genuine faith must be tested and God tests it to prove that which is genuine so you know it's like we're litmus paper and we're being passed through like a test to actually prove that you know um, it's genuine faith um, and God tests it to prove uh, that which is genuine. God does everything for a purpose. So verse four goes on to read, mm, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So here God tests us in order that He might produce patience in our lives. He that do, um, how does God actually produce patience in our lives? So it's patience that makes us, you know, a full-grown Christian. You know that patience and understanding so patience is the fruit of the holy spirit remember the fruits of the spirit love joy peace long suffering kindness so it's that patience um so patience is the fruit of the spirit and patience comes through suffering um, and testing so if we wait on the Lord no matter what we're going through it's that patience that God wants us to learn in order for us to grow and learn from that experience so we can't be full-grown uh, mature Christians without patience you know like you're just like impatience like a little child who just wants like you know I want my candy right now or I want this and this right now you know for you to be a full-grown mature Christian you have to go through um, um, you know testing in order to produce patience so sometimes Christians never really grow up you know they stay babies know they're just cynical you know um, um, and they just um, critics and you know they just complain and complain and they just don't grow into uh, full-grown Christians they stay babies so there's so much strife and criticizing and you know clamoring in so many churches today because um, as Christians they still are babies they still have remained in that uh, position of a baby they haven't grown and matured so David um we have in day, in, in Psalms 131, uh, one of the shortest Psalms. Um let me just quickly turn there. So Psalms hundred Psalms one thirty-one, it reads, um, sorry just a second. Okay, so Psalms one thirty there we go. One thirty one um has got three verses and it reads um lord my heart is not haughty nor my eyes lofty neither do i concern myself with great matters nor with things too profound for me surely i have claimed i have calmed sorry and quietened my soul like a weaned child with his mother like a weaned child is my soul within me oh israel hope of the lord from the from this time forth and forever so here um We have David in Psalms 131. You know, he says in his life, he found he had to grow up and get off the milk and start eating solids, you know, the bread of life. And God tested David. So he realized he had to grow up. Because God was testing him for a reason and it enabled him to grow up. And Paul says that one of the reasons of being justified by faith in Romans 5, verse 3, there is a purpose for it all. And if I just quickly turn to Romans 5, verse 3, it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations and knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. So here You know, there is a reason and a goal for the trials that we go through as, um, you know, um, Christians. So God gives testing and trials to produce patience in our lives. But that's, you know, that's how we become patient. And God must, you know, God um, must send us trials in order for us to actually learn patience so that it may produce, you know, hope and produce love in our lives so you know uh, begin to question if you're not going through like you know if everything's just hunky-dory and your life's just smith sailing you begin to wonder and question your faith so today we have so many critics and people who want to follow you know the new morality or the ones who are the intellects who are still babies you know who you know they're not they don't they're, they're still babies and they haven't gone through those trials in order you know, to test their faith. So God gives testing to those that are his own. So if you're not going through testing trials and tribulations, you know, you begin to question your faith and your salvation. Verse five of James goes on to read. If you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. That's freely and without reproach. And it will be given to him. So now here, wisdom is the exercise and practical use of knowledge. That's what wisdom is. So, you know, you can have knowledge, but you don't have wisdom. So we all have troubles and um, problems. So how we actually solve those problems and how we, um, you know, we meet this these issues that we, we, we deal with and deal with them um, is a matter of how, you know wise we are so we need to go to God in prayer you know let us take everything to God in prayer no matter how small no matter how big you know let us take our burdens to God like every day you know like do we you know bow down our heads and say you know lord you know i bring this unto you um you know give me wisdom to actually um to actually um you know understand and you know um make you know proper decisions so there's a lot of people today who have knowledge but they don't have um the practical sense to actually um, you know, sort out these issues. Wisdom is how is to know how to act under certain circumstances and um, you know, of testing and trials. So we need to have um, you know, if we can't sort out something, we need to actually take it to the Lord. You know, the problem is a lot of things, you know, even things that are small and oh, we don't take them to the Lord because we think, oh, I can sort this out on my own. And, um, you know, we need to, to get wisdom wisdom from God. So God helps us out purely without any mixture of evil or bitterness if we just ask him he's always there you know scripture here clearly states that in verse five it says you know if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask um let him ask of god ask and you know if you will lack wisdom we are to go to god and ask him and he will answer our prayers so verse six goes on to read uh but let him ask in faith but with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind this we all experience it because we all doubt you know the lord's going to come through for us like here on our walk on earth not saying you know you don't have faith you know dr jv McGee, McGee gave his own example like he had faith but you know here down here on his walk on earth he doubted like um like when he was in um in, in school, in college, in theology college, he came from a poor background and he was always wondering how you know he's gonna pay his school fees and all he was always like um in doubt and all. Oh. Um and you know he didn't put his trust and confidence in God. So, you know, our problem today is we doubt and don't believe God completely. And that's the problem. It doesn't mean you know, like you don't have any faith and all. We may be saved and believe in God. But down here where the rubber meets the road, we don't believe God um, and we don't turn it to God. And we ought to turn it to God no matter what. You know, the day comes, you know, let's turn it to God. Let's say, you know, God, guide me, you know, give me wisdom and understanding so that, you know, I may see this day through. So, you know, uh, turn it to God. So we say we believe God. And when time comes, we jump at it and make our own decisions. And, you know, we're like, um with uh, a wave of uh, the sea driven and tossed so verse 7 goes on to read um for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the lord so here you know if you are gonna work it out then god can't help you out because if you jump at it and say you know i'm gonna fix it you know then god won't help you out because you know we have that doubt that God won't actually fix it you know we go to God and say oh hey God help me and you don't get your answer immediately and we just say oh you know what I'm gonna do this on my own verse 8 goes on to read um, he is a double minded man and able and stable in all his ways so here you know uh, a proverb is given right this uh, in that's why in the beginning I had said you know like the book of James is just like the book of Proverbs so here um, we saw this in Hebrews you know with the hebrews this was the big problem of israel as well so they were like you know that silly dove um like that was mentioned in hosea as well so uh they fly they flew off sorry to egypt then to assyria but not to god so a lot of us are like you know this silly dove You know, we, instead of looking unto God for help and all, we fly off to, we fly off to, you know, from one place to another, you know, so many of us, you know, when faced with problems, instead of turning it to God, so many of us instead, you know, we start out the day um, by, you know, like, oh, hey, let me run here, let me run there, turn it to God um you know take it all to god we need wisdom in meeting issues of life even here where the rubber meets the road so verse 9 goes on to read let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation so here how is the lowly brother exalted today you know, you may not have much. And you know, may you may come from a humble, a poor background, you may be a poor man, and here on earth, uh, you may be poor, but you you know, one thing we should realize is we have a lot of treasure in heaven. We have more in Christ than we will ever have here on earth. These are worldly the things when you die, you're leaving them behind. So we have everything in Christ. And Paul actually said, Let not man glory in men, for all things are um as whether Paul, you know, or, uh, Cephas or the world or life, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all these people, all are yours and you have Christ and Christ is God's. We belong to Christ and you know, all he has, he will make it unto you and me today. So if you have Christ, you have everything, you have all the treasures. Um, you know, we have, you know, life, we have blessings and it's all from God. You know, you wake up every day, you know, you're blessed to be alive. And all of these things, we can actually rejoice in. Rejoice in the trials that you're facing. You're like, you know, I thank you, God, for the trials I am going through. Because, you know, there is a lesson at the end of it all. So you may be the poorest person on earth, but you are rich in Christ. Um, Verse 10 goes on to read, but the rich is but the rich in his humiliation because but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field he will pass away so here the rich are like flowers of the field and they pass away because you know you know they may have spent you know their lifetime on earth And this is what usually happens, you know, accumulating these riches, you know, people tend to actually idolize things, you know, like they want to, to, to have, to be the wealthiest man alive, to, to accumulate this, accumulate that, you know, they spend all their lives focusing on the wrong thing, um, you know, accumulating riches and, you know, a name for themselves, fame for themselves. But, you know, when they die, what happens? What happens to that name? What happens to everything they accumulated? You know, they, it just withers away. You know, it says here, um there as the flower of the field he will pass away they just wither away right so verse 11 goes on to read for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat then it withers the grass its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits so here god says that a rich man will fade away in his pursuits so all the riches will be left behind when he is buried so today rejoice in the lord today rejoice always in the lord and take it to the lord you know for me i have you know learned one point you know i'm human you know i doubt i have my doubts yeah i have faith i believe in god but you know here as i walk down this earth you know um you know i stress i have doubts you know um i'm lacking something and all you know and i feel like oh hey you know what i can actually sort this out of my my own but today the main my main highlight is take it all to the god you know when you wake up in the morning you know ask for wisdom and understanding there's no shame in that and take it all to the lord there's no shame in that the lord will um he's always there for us to actually um hear us out so yeah this is today's teaching thank you all for listening in god bless and have a pleasant thursday Bye bye